So today, as we are wrapping up our stewardship series on Joshua, we are coming to our final passage here, and it's going to be coming from Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 22. So I invite you to either follow along on the screens, or you can open up the Bible app or your Bible that you got with you and follow along as I read the passage. So Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 22. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served before the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you're unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us along all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, we want to serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as we know, uh, for many parents last year, if you had school-aged children, it was a very interesting year when it comes to the education of your child. Uh, Many of you as educators can also relate to how unique last year was and hope that we never have to repeat it ever again. But it was a challenge for many of us. However, many of the schools tried to hold true to some of the traditions and things that they always did even though COVID, even before what COVID was around. One of those was having parent readers. You know, with COVID, they didn't want parents coming into the schools last year and reading and all this and that. And so what they did, they got creative at uh, one of my daughter's schools is to do a virtual parent reader where you would sign up and then you would film yourself reading a book and then you would send it to the teacher and then she would play that video in the class. And my child's teacher didn't tell the children whose parents were reading that your parent will be on the video today. So it was a surprise to them if their parent was the parent reader that week. So Laura Beth and I signed up to read a book for parent reader for my daughter, Evie Jane, and we picked one of our favorite books to read, and it was The Giving Tree, okay, by Shel Silverstein. I don't know if y'all have read this book before, but it's a good book. It's an easy read for kids in elementary school, and it's one of our favorites. So we read this in front of an iPhone one night after our daughter had gone to bed, and we were just reading it, and I hate filming myself for stuff because you do all these retakes and you realize you've got like a shirt hanging on the chair in the background and you've got to redo it and all this kind of stuff. So, but we filmed the video and sent it in and they played it one day as parent reader. And uh, this is a, like I said, it's just a great book. If you don't have it, I would go look it up and read it. It's a good one. 
no matter what age you are. But the basis of the book is that there was a tree, the giving tree, the tree that was committed to give the boy in the book whatever he asked because the tree loved the boy so. And as the boy grew older, it wanted different things from the tree. As a child, it wanted to swing from the tree, wanted to climb from the tree. But then as it got older, it didn't want to have anything to do with the tree. As most kids do as they get older, they become independent and want to do their own things. And so the tree didn't see the boy for a while until he came back later as a young adult, but he needed things from the tree. He needed the branches to build something. He needed the trunks to build a house or he needed to build a boat and all these things. And eventually a tree gave him what he needed until there was nothing left but just the stump. And then the boy comes back as an old man after, got rid, after he's done with all his material things and he just needed somewhere to sit as an old man. And the tree was happy to offer the stump for the old man just to sit. So the giving tree. The tree gave the boy whatever he wanted and was committed to the boy. There's a lot of things as a child, you just look at it as for what it is, as face value. But as an adult, especially as parents, you begin to understand the relationship of the tree with the boy as with a parent and a child. But also you can see a parallel there as God's relationship to his creation as well. As he is committed to us through covenant to give us what we need, but sometimes we selfishly take without consideration. Or we don't have a relationship with God at times. So the giving tree can also have a faith and spiritual connection to it as well. And so when we look at our relationship with God and our response to God and his promises, this should make us think on how we can be faithfully moving forward with him in this moment. You know, as we began the stewardship season here, where the first Sunday we looked at, we looked at moving forward together, together as a church. Not a solo act. And just as in First Joshua, God called Joshua to lead the people and to lead the people together into the promised land. And so we reflected upon what that means for us. And then we looked at how we can move forward in courage. We looked at the story of Rahab and how she gave shelter to the spies and protected them. And in that moment, it gave her an opportunity to be saved. And also for the spies to have faith and see the awesomeness of God in those moments. Then we looked at how we move forward in unity with Jericho. And how God's people moved together with the Ark of the Covenant with God with them around the city walls of Jericho. And how God was able to fulfill his promises as the people were staying connected and faithful to him. As it took everybody, all Israelites, in that moment of unity. And then last week we looked at the Israelites and their defeat at the battle of Ai. How they were successful with Jericho, but then how they were not successful at Ai and why. And how they had to cut out things in their life and let go of things in their life that were holding them back. And once you were able to do that, then you can be successful with God's help. And so today we look at moving forward with commitment. As today is Commitment Sunday. And with commitment in serving the Lord, how we can do that as a church. When you look at the first verse here of this passage where it says, Now therefore revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. This would not have been a big jump and a leap of faith for the people of Israel as they have seen the faithfulness of God in their lives. 
as God led them out of slavery in Egypt and through the exodus in the desert and then promising them that land and giving them that land through their faithfulness with success at Jericho and then realizing their unfaithfulness at Ai but what they needed to do. In this moment, the people of Israel would have greatly accepted and revered the Lord, respected the Lord for his faithfulness. They have had examples of this. This would not have been that big of a leap for them at that time. But then it continues on and says, Now if you're unwilling though to serve the Lord, choose this day from whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. When you choose to not serve the Lord, then you're actively choosing to serve something else. You're actively saying, I'm going to live my life for something else when I say I'm not going to live my life for the Lord. And this is what Joshua is telling the people. That if you're not going to respect the Lord and serve him and put away other gods, then you are actively choosing to worship the gods of beyond the river or the gods of this land that we are conquering. And as people of God today in the 21st century, that's the same truth. We either will actively choose as the body of Christ to worship the Lord, but if we don't, then we are actively choosing to worship this world and ourselves. Doing things that are only pleasing to us and pleasing to others that are not where God's presence will be. It's black or white. And so we have to realize that. And Joshua points that out to the people of Israel. And he exclaims to them, but he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We, this is a very famous passage. You see it at all the Hobby Lobbies and Michael stores. They've got little signs and pillows and you put them in your house. Great. Not knocking that. But... If you're going to have that in your house, then you better live it, okay? You better live it. You better seek actively each and every day to look at that picture on that wall that has the verse or that pillow on the couch and say, yes, Lord, today, me and my house, we are going to strive to serve you today, each and every day, each and every day. And he, Joshua, is telling those people that are listening that he is choosing and his household is choosing and will continue to choose to serve, or better yet, commit themselves to the Lord. To commit themselves to the Lord. It is a life that continually commits to Him each and every day. That is the decision that we have to make each and every day. And He is choosing to do this regardless of everybody else's opinion. When he uses the word but for me and my house, guess what? He's saying, I don't care if you don't agree with me, but for me and my house, this is what we're going to do. We're going to live a life committed to the Lord. We will be that example for the world of what it looks like to live a life committed to the Lord. So when he says, but for me and my house, and if you've got that on your house walls or on your couch, you're also telling your neighbors and your family and the whole world, you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you think of us, we are going to serve the Lord. And then as a church, as St. Matthew's, as we are discerning on what we need to do for our future, as you are discerning on what you are doing individually as part of this church, you need to use that word, but for me, I choose, or but for me in my household, we choose to serve the Lord 
each and every day, regardless of what everybody else thinks, because the Lord is what matters. Very, very important. The people respond, and they respond in a way that you would think would be pleasing. As you go in verse 16, it says, Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did these great signs in our sight. He protected us along all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all these people, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Well, that seems to be an appropriate response in, in face of all that God has done for them. He is fulfilling his promise that he made them. He's fulfilling his promise that he made Abraham generations before. Here is this land. You, as Abraham's people, had to leave the land of famine, which eventually led them into Egypt, which eventually led them as slaves. But then God got them out through the Exodus, now to the promised land that he told Abraham about. You can see that God has been faithful through all these generations of Israelites, and now they are here, and of course they're going to respond this way. It's expected they're going to say, yes, we will serve the Lord. How can we not? How can we not? But then going on through verse 18. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive you for your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn from you and do harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves. You have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. You see, he's not necessarily trying to discourage the people. When you read it at face value, it seems like he's saying, nope, you can't do it. You can't do it. And he's going to get mad at you. He's making them understand the reality of it. As we all understand each and every day with our own personal battles, the reality of we're going to wake up and yes, we're going to try to do good and try to live a life pleasing to him and do this thing that we've set out before us. And then life happens and we mess up. And the day may not have gone the way we wanted it to. It would not have been a day that we would think God would have been proud of us for. It happens despite our best intentions. We sin, we mess up. But yet, you get up and you try again. And as people of Jesus Christ, we know that we have grace extended to us through Jesus Christ. And that gives us the hope and courage to continue on. But what Joshua is doing here is telling them this is not going to be easy. This is not going to be easy. Even Jesus said this when you go to Luke chapter 25 through verse 25 through 33. This is what Jesus told the crowds that were following him about the cost of discipleship and being a Christian. It says, now large crowds were traveling with him and he turned and said to them, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Who does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish. 
And all who will see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him, against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he will send delegation and ask for terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all of your possessions. So becoming a follower of God, becoming a follower of Christ is not going to be easy. And this is what Joshua is trying to make sure the people understood by challenging them with this. By saying, when you make the decision to serve the Lord, at times it's not going to be easy and you need to realize it. As Jesus told those that were following him, there are costs to being my disciple. And we're given the choice to accept or to refuse. But as I said earlier, if you don't choose to serve the Lord, then who are you choosing to serve? What are you choosing to serve? So what does it mean to have a commitment or to serve the Lord? Well, first you have to understand who is the Lord God. Before we commit ourselves to this creator we have, what is it? Who is it? It is a God that faithfully saves his people time and time again. It's a God that brought his people out of Egypt. It's a God that sent Jesus Christ that provided a path for our salvation. It's a God that is with his people and is saving them time and time again. And it is also a God that instructs and shows us and teaches us that we must care for those that are the least of these. We have to think beyond ourselves in this lifetime and think of those that need the shining light of Christ. That is who the Lord God is. And so when we begin to understand who he is and trust in him, we can find ways to serve and to commit. Committing to the Lord means caring for the creation of the world by our prayers even, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, right? We've heard those words before. We've said those words before. Committing to the Lord means caring for the creation of the world in those ways, for other people, for worshiping our God. We serve the Lord when we share God's grace to a hurting world. That's how we can serve and commit to the Lord. If God looks after the least of these, then we are then commanded to do so. When we commit to the Lord, we are committing to serve others, to love God. And as Joshua had this back and forth with the people in this passage here, when they were committing to the, war, to the Lord and they wanted to commit, and he says, no, you don't want to because you'll fail. It is better to every day commit to the Lord and fail than to not commit at all. It's better to take those steps, to face those challenges, than to not do it at all. Because us trying to serve this God and failing is better than not trying at all. The world is watching. The world is watching. It is watching how Christians react in this time. It is watching the churches to see if they're actually making an impact in this world. And I think this is important for us to reflect upon. 
are we living out God's calling in this world today? In this season of stewardship, as we look at ways that we can move forward together in unity with courage, without fear, cutting out things that are leaving us or making us stay behind in the past. When we're doing all that, are we finding ways that we can serve the Lord, that we can commit to Him? As all of these videos of all these testimonies that we have seen, testimonies are great. It puts a face to a story of people you know and how they've been impacted by the church and how they're giving back. Each and every one of us has a story. Each and every one of us has a part in this story that God's got for us and what he's planning to do. So as we begin to commit ourselves in this time, may you listen to God. May you seek ways that he can move through you. It will not be easy. There will be tough times ahead. But when you do this, you become that shining light. You become that vessel of God to a world that desperately needs to hear and see his love and grace.